0: And again, to our guests, we do welcome all of our guests to Calvary Gospel Church. Uh, Many of you I have never met. Some of you I have not seen for a while, but it's good to have you here. After Thursday night, Thursday night I was in bed sick. I have seen people get sunburn and sunstrokes, and I've always wondered you know why would anybody be so dumb? As and you know, Wednesday I did some workout in the sun and did not realize. I didn't ever even thought. I absolutely never thought that I was was getting burned, and all of a sudden I got sick. I felt like I had a fever, nausea. I I just didn't know what was taking place. And then I I felt I was burned. I said, Oh my! I I. I didn't have a cap on, I wear a cap almost all the time. And that night <laughs> I I literally suffered. I mean I had a headache so bad and suffered. I slept with an ice pack on my head. And all day Thursday I was just second Thursday night. So you people who have suffered from sunburn, I I'm gonna be a little more uh, compassionate. <coughs> like the time i remember i used to get on to people they'd they'd call up and i'd say what did i preach sunday night they couldn't remember i'd always look the reason why that you're having this problem because you can't even remember what i preached about and one day would you believe we had a sister who missed church and she walked up to me and said i know that you always like for people to remember what you preach and she said i wasn't here last thursday night and i want to know what you preached to save my soul i couldn 't remember what I did I could not i mean I, I could not remember so I stopped that chewing people out <laughs> the The Lord has a way of humbling you, and certainly if he doesn 't have a way, the old body will find a way of humbling you. <clears throat> my brain wouldn 't function i couldn 't i couldn 't even think i couldn't remember anything about the midweek service and she says ha Ha-ha. ha Ha-ha. and I said don't laugh at me she said you know what I'm thinking I said yes and I promise you God been my witness I promise you that I will never ever I will never as long as I live make you feel bad about not remembering what I preached on Sunday night all right acts one <clears throat> Jesus, the setting is, Jesus has given the great commission. And Jesus is in his final, his final words. Verse 8 is probably the first that has been quoted as much as outside of John 3.16. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. How many of you can quote this verse? All right, look at the hands. All right. Now, verse 9, and when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. In other words, the resurrected Lord was raptured. I mean, he just simply left. He went up. He descended into the heavens, or ascended into the heavens. And verse 10 says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up. I mean, they had their eyes on him. They were not going to miss this. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, obviously angels. Which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now that simply means that Jesus Christ is going to come back. He's going to come back. And he's going to come back in a very similar fashion in which he left. All right? You may be seated. God bless you. <clears throat> now, when we speak of rapture, the word rapture does not uh, is not in the Bible, but the word rapture actually means the catching away. Uh, it is it is used and 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 by all rights should be used because it is explained throughout the Scripture that there will be a day in which the Lord will return back to the earth. Now, He's not going to return back at this point in time just to land on the earth and walk around and minister like He did when He was here before. Now, I personally believe after the rapture of the church, and after the tribulation period that there will be a 1,000-year space called the millennium in which Christ will reign, and he will reign on the earth. Uh, This is spoken of in the Bible. And perhaps at that time he will walk on the earth again. Now, I use the word perhaps because I think the Bible is somewhat vague. I believe that those who go up in the rapture, that is the New Testament church, I believe they will return and uh, they will reign, rule and reign with the Lord on the earth. That's what the Bible says. There's been a big controversy because some translations say they will rule over the earth and actually not on the earth. In other words, they will actually have rule of the earth. But prior to that tribulation period and prior to the millennium, Jesus Christ will return, not all the way back to the earth, because the Bible speaks that he will come back and appear, but not come back to the earth, but he will come back in the clouds, and we will be caught up to meet him in the clouds. And we'll read some of these scriptures later on. So he is coming back. Now I think if you went to probably 100 churches, if you picked the closest 100 churches to to Calvary Gospel Church and you sit down and talk with a pastor, you'd find out of the 100, you'd probably find a good 90 or more that actually believes in the rapture, regardless of what denomination that uh, they represent. However, I I feel that if if you went to the church any length of time, you'd probably find that less than 50% of them would ever talk about the rapture. And it is possible that you could spend a lifetime in some churches that they actually believe in the rapture, but unless you went into special classes, catechism or such, you may never one time hear the word rapture. I talked with a lady of a denomination, and she told me that she attended church every week, once a week, and that she had done this all of her life, and I happen to know that their church believes in a rapture, but she said she had never heard the word rapture before. And whenever I started talking about the catching away of the saints, the New Testament church which is called the Bride of Christ she said she never heard of that before in her life Uh, this lady must have been my age not the age that I was when I talked with her which was a good 30 years ago but about my age now Uh, so she had been in church 50 plus years and in a church that believed in the rapture, as far as the, uh, the ministry, as far as their doctrine goes, they believed in it, but <clears throat> never talked about it. Now, I believe that it is necessary to talk about the rapture because it's such a, a strong doctrine in the Bible. When I say strong doctrine, I mean it's mentioned over and over and over, and I think the apostles felt that Jesus Christ was coming in there, in their life span. I think every generation since then has looked for the coming of the Lord. It seemed to be the real impetus for revival. It seemed to be the thing that moved people out and really got people concerned about the lost. I know the Wesleyan movement and uh, the 1700s, uh, they talked a lot about the rapture. I, I would say today, and no reflection on anyone that is attending the, any Wesleyan church, but you probably would go to a Wesleyan church uh, a, a, a considerable length of time before you'd hear the mention uh, of the rapture, before you'd hear a mention of the rapture. Uh, that would probably vary from pastor to pastor, but, but uh, don't think you can read your Bible, especially in the New Testament. You can't read your Bible uh, without running across it. It's just there. Now, why is Jesus Christ returning? That's something that's, that is very important for us to, to settle today. Why is he returning? Now, the first time that he was here, he came for a reason. If you will look over on my left and your right, you will see the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost, Luke nineteen, ten. Also, just going through the Easter season, our attention is focused on His death, His burial, and then on His resurrection. You will find in the book of Acts the 20th chapter verse 28 Uh, the Bible says take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood now Jesus Christ shed blood on the cross and we know that He shed blood for individuals. But the church, the body of Christ, is made up of individuals, and basically when he shed his blood, he shed his blood for the church. The word church simply means called out ones. That means we are called out from the world into the marvelous presence of Almighty God. So he's coming back for the church. Now, 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, and we'll just jump right into this uh, business about the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4 is no doubt the most quoted passage of Scripture that deals with the rapture. I've heard several songs in which, during the singing, uh, the choir that was backing up the people singing, they would go, they would start humming, and someone would read this passage of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, Paul says, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. There are some people that have been planted in the earth that Paul says that we have no hope, that those people have a chance to be saved. There's no hope. Now let me just point out something before we go any further. We always think in terms of the rapture as the rapture is being a benefit to people who are alive because they don't have to see death. And that is really an error according to Scripture because the rapture is just as much for people who are deceased, who die in the Lord. And the truth of the matter is, Paul said for us to die is gain. For us to live is Jesus Christ. So to the... To the child of God who dies prior to the rapture, uh, it's just a great thing. And the reason why it's a great thing, because they can go into the presence of God uh, much faster than we. Now, we do receive the presence of God, and we're in the presence of God, but certainly not to the extent of an individual who passes from this life. Uh, I've heard people say, "Well, I, I just want to go into rapture. I don't want to die." Uh, well, <clears throat> I, I can understand. That. I don't want to die either. But on the other hand, we we also have to to draw a, a from purely from a, a biblical interpretation that 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 statement is is somewhat uh, indicative of a person who is more satisfied with life here than he would be with life in heaven. Amen? Now I'm saying that because I, I know that some of you have said that. I've heard people testify and say that. I, I probably am guilty of that myself. I was talking about uh, condemning others. I better be careful here because I think I've said that. I'd like to go up in a rapture. I think really what we're trying to say is, well, we'd just like for the rapture to take place right now. And just just go be with the Lord. but uh, when it, when it comes to it, we all struggle. Uh, we struggle with life, and yet we seem to love life so much. But uh, in the purest interpretation of the scripture, the Bible tells us we should not love life. Isn't that right? Now we can be happy, but I'm talking about be so carried away with life that that you know we'd just like to live a thousand years down here. Just like this, without any different set of circumstances. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord drove them out of the Garden of Eden, lest they eat of the tree of life and live forever. Now, the plan was that they eat of the tree of life, but not in their sinful condition. So after man had sinned, And after his break of communication with God, he was forbidden to eat of the tree of life, lest he eat of it and live forever as you and I presently live today. He didn't want that. He wanted something better, something greater. But we do know that some people live all their life and never get prepared Meet God. Now that is very tragic because if you live all of your life with all the problems that mankind has, if you live all your life and then you're not prepared to meet God, and if after death you go into punishment or torment as the Bible speaks, then that is very tragic because things do not get better for you, they get worse. So some people have no hope. Verse 14, If we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now we have to believe basically in the death, the burial, and the resurrection, which is the gospel. And I will talk about that in just a moment. Verse six, six fifteen, pardon me. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So the people who have died in Christ, they're going to rise first. I have been involved in many funerals of saints of God. And it's just, it, 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 it's such a victorious thing because you know that when you plant their bodies in the earth that one of these days the Lord's going to come back and like the voice of a trumpet, like the clarion sound of a trumpet or the shaking voice of, of an archangel that would just literally shake the earth like an earthquake, that the earth is going to give up the dead, and they're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, people who die in Jesus, even though they do go in the presence of Jesus, certainly not in bodily form, but their souls go in the presence of the Lord. Their soul will be reunited with their body, and they in a physical, and we use the word physical, Actually, they will be changed, transformed, translated from an, a corruptible state to an incorruptible state. But the, 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 the wonderful teaching of the Bible about about the resurrection of the dead is that that their bodies will come back together. From a deteriorated state, they will come back together, and then they will be changed into... An incorruptible body. And I know that to a lot of people that sounds far out, far-fetched. I don't know if you read it. I probably will deal with it somewhat tonight in our service because I'm feeling a leading from God to do this. But if you read in yesterday's paper where Bible scholars are trying to, to uh, do away with the miracles of the Lord, that leprosy probably really wasn't leprosy. It was just some little... Uh, skin disease that people had and so forth. And God only took care of big, big, big problems. And that's the way our world is thinking. To me, to, for scholars to search the Scripture and come up with that answer, a man is wanting to interpret the Scripture based upon his well, his own desires. I think it was Napoleon that said the greatest dearrangement of the mind is for a man to think something solely because he wants to think it. And, and if you read the Bible and you get that out of it, I mean, that's just, <laughs> it's far, far-fetched. There's, there's just no, no doubt about it. But God is a miracle-working God. Walk outside, everything you see, you may say, God didn't create this. Let me say this. If God didn't, then a miracle took place. Because I can assure you of one thing. When, when you look at life, it is miraculous. I mean, just totally miraculous. It just almost blow your mind. The birth of a child we just... You know, clapped our hands in great celebration of, of Michael Thomas, a Gary. The birth of a child—it's with all of everything working and functioning. It is miraculous, just totally miraculous. And the fact that it, that it can take place. That human body can be formed in in nine months, the gestation period of a human being. Nine months, all of this took place. But God's going to take the decayed body and bring it back together and change it from a corruptible body to an incorruptible body. And the first stage... Or the first aspect, maybe I should say, of the rapture is that before the people that are alive in Jesus Christ are raptured, the dead bodies are going to come back. The spirit and soul will re-inhabit the body and the body's going to come up out of the grave. It's going to come right up out of the grave. And that will take place prior to Our translation, that is, if we are alive at that time. So the people who have endured their tenure in life get a little bit of a head start on us. And and I I think that's, that's glorious because the rapture is for all people that are of the New Testament church. So the Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain. Now the Bible says we which are alive and remain. Now when we say remain, uh, we're not talking about just the people remaining on the earth. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the people on the earth per se because, you know, you're either dead or you're alive. And if the dead go, then he said those people that are alive and that remain, that means that they remain in the teachings and the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we have some certificates up here, Brother Manley. Did you take those? Where are they? you have those? We give out certificates to people who have been born again. We, we just had some up here. Where are they? <clears throat> Calvary Gospel Church, Madison, Wisconsin. This certifies that Patrick Van Eyck, upon the confession of faith, and with grateful acknowledgement of God is hereby awarded this certificate of new birth. Uh, Brother Patrick was baptized April eleventh, 1993. Now, the service in which we were going to give this to Patrick, he was not here, and I don't think he's here this morning. Uh, we're planning on giving these out tonight if he's here. But uh, I think probably what we need to do on the back and put that... Please understand that this certificate cannot be taken to the gates of Pearl and expect uh, this certificate alone as a ticket for entrance. (laughs) And the reason why is because while this is so important that you're born again, you've got to do more than just be born again. Some people feel, well, I'm baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That means I am rapture-ready. It means you're rapture-ready when that happens, but it does not mean that that one time in which you gave your heart to God makes you rapture-ready from that day on until the rapture occurs, whenever it occurs. Because something has to be done between that day and the day in which the trumpet of the Lord blows. In other words, you get ready, and you stay ready. Exactly. You get ready, and you stay ready. So those which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then the Bible says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. In other words, once we have been changed, and once the rapture takes place, And we're in the presence of God from that day on forever. How long is that? An eternity without end. We will be in the presence of God. Now, verse 18, it says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, I have always felt like this. When I hear preaching about the rapture, and I hear a lot of it, I, I turn the radio on and... Listen to the radio, I want you to understand when I talk about a lot of churches not mentioned, a lot of churches do. I hear ministers talking about the rapture. If I feel in my heart a little bit of a a fear, maybe a little reservation, uh, I know then it's time for me to pray. And if I am speaking this morning about this, and inside of you there's this this feeling of, well, I sure hope I'm ready. Uh, I'm not ready for sure, or, man, I hope it doesn't take place today. I hope I have an opportunity to make a few things right. In other words, if while I'm preaching or speaking to you about the rapture, if this is not comforting to you, most likely then, You need to take your certificate and you need to go back to the altar and you need to pray some more and seek God some more. Now you stay ready by basically doing what you did to get ready. Now, I believe in the new birth. The new birth is not just something that you... uh, study for a while and all of a sudden you kind of get the hang of it and decide you know enough and you're saved i remember one time meeting with a group of ministers we were asked questions and question was asked to a panel i would happen to be on the panel by a world religion class and in La Crosse, wisconsin for turbo college a catholic college what does it mean, what do you have to do to be saved? And uh, so they asked us this. I was amazed at how many ministers, 15 or so of us are there, how many ministers that passed on the question. I've got to think about this. I'm not really for sure. I was real concerned about this, so I ran a little survey by talking with other ministers, some I called on the phone talked talk with. I was amazed how many preachers that you could call and ask what you had to do to be saved, and they couldn't tell you. Just couldn't tell you. Well, what we do, they said, we have uh, classes, and uh, if you go through these classes for 12 weeks, and you know this, that, and the other, uh uh then, then uh, after that, uh, uh, we will uh, baptize you and, and everything will be all right. I talked with one minister. He said, just truthfully, I, I don't really know. He said, I, I know that I tell people they need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm not really for sure. Now, the reason why I'm addressing this is because this has been a question that people have asked of all age. Every time a man is convicted in his heart, he is prompted by the Holy Ghost, he asks, and I'm going to use the King James Version, scriptural, scriptural uh, vernacular, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well... <clears throat> Peter standing up with eleven, he uh, scratched his head for a while. And so, did anybody take notes while Jesus was here? Anybody? Did anybody hear anything about this business of being saved? Oh, my friend, if Jesus came seeking to save that which was lost, I will assure you that he addressed the subject and in very plain language told people what they needed to do to be saved. according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Corinthians 15 it's a long chapter having 58 verses it starts out by talking about the first resurrection and how you get prepared for the first resurrection moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you which also ye have received and wherein ye stand by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Jesus Christ did what? He died. Let's say that. He died. Jesus Christ did what? He died. All right? Now after He died, He was buried. Let's say that. He was buried. And after that, he arose again. He arose again. Let's say that. He arose again. The gospel is simply the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is not something you just get up and preach about and people say, Yeah, I believe it. But it is something you experience. You experience the gospel. The word gospel comes from two words, god spell, which really means good news. Jesus Christ died, he was buried and he arose again. It's good news for me because without this, there was no hope for me. I would have been eternally lost. Eternally lost. Now we hear this statement about being born again. And I'm it's a, it's quite a an elastical term, in other words, it means a lot to a lot of different individuals. Now we we are a Pentecostal church, and the word Pentecost is very elastical because, you know, it just stretch It covers almost as much as the word Baptist covers. You follow what I'm saying? So when you say what I'm Pentecostal, people say what branch? Well, I say I never really considered, you know. A branch I I you know I thought we were the, the stump you know because we, I mean we, we go all the way back to Acts the second chapter you know I thought we were the trunk of the thing you know but branch well at any rate <clears throat> when, when you use the word being born again uh, that, that's pretty much the, you know people say well he's a born-again Christian And they really don't know what you're talking about. Because truthfully, you hear a lot, but you don't hear it explained very much. Now, in a message like this, and I'm talking about the rapture, I feel feel compelled to do more than just say you need to be born again. I, I feel compelled to take the Scripture and talk to you about the Scripture. You see, Jesus was not casual in explanations about things. Uh, John, the third chapter, Jesus talks to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Now, keep in mind, when Jesus was here, Jesus did not establish the New Testament church while he was here. Now, he laid the groundwork and the foundation. The apostles became the foundation of the New Testament church. You remember in, in, in Matthew 16, Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church. The church had its birth after Jesus Christ ascended into the heavens. See, he said, Now I am with you now, but I shall be in you. So the church was actually established after Jesus Christ went back into the heavens. In Acts, the second chapter, first chapter, where we read about uh, Jesus ascending into the heavens, the very next ver- verse says, and they went into Jerusalem and tarried there. See, Jesus said, tarry until you've been with power from on high. Now, when Jesus talks to this man by the name of Nicodemus, you must understand that the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And that's taken out of the same book, John 7, Verse 37 through 39. Okay, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. I'm reading from John 3, 1. He was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus said, a man must be born again. If he is not born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Question mark. In other words, <clears throat> the first birth is Miraculous. Needless to say, the second one will be miraculous. It's a miracle what Jesus Christ can do for a human being. But it, 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 it's not something you just evolve into. There has to be a start, and the start is miraculous. And then, of course, the start is only the beginning. And from there you grow in knowledge and in grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Daily growth in Jesus is also miraculous. All right, verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, See, obviously Nicodemus wasn't understanding this, so Jesus is going to break it down. Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Now Jesus was saying, Ye must be born again. Verse 8 now, He's going to give us a little bit of, a, of an insight on being born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof. But canest not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth? So is every one that is born of the Spirit. All right. Jesus said it's going to become like a wind. You will not know where it came from. You will not know where it goes. But you will hear the sound of it. So is everyone. Now, I consider this to be uh, very pointed instructions. Uh, very definite. And the reason why is because we find things like verily, verily. When you hear that, verily, verily, Jesus is saying, hey, listen up. But he doesn't say it just one time. He says it twice. He said, hey, everybody, listen up. Hey, everybody, listen up. Or, let's put it like this, could I have your attention, please? And everybody keeps talking. Could I have your attention, please? Now that's what he's saying. He says, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot, C-A-N-N-O-T, absolutely no loophole. Now, that's what he's saying. Absolutely no loopholes. And then he gets down to verse 8. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, he said you must be born of water and you must be born of Spirit. Now, I read to you the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I talked about the new birth. Now it's amazing in biblical interpretation how one passage of Scripture can be taken and another ignored. By some then, the other one taken and the first ignored. But the truth of the matter is when you are interpreting Scripture, you must search out all the evidence of the Scripture and consider them before a decision our conclusion can be made or drawn. Now, <clears throat> I think it's only fitting then if Jesus talked about the new birth and if the Apostle Paul talked about the gospel as being necessary, that, that we just simply go in the Scripture and take a look and, and find out what took place. Well, Acts, the first chapter The resurrection takes place. They go into Jerusalem and they tarry until they were endued with power from on high. And Acts, the second chapter, starts out by saying, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. The wind bloweth where it wills, or listeth. The word listeth really means wind. I meant will. (laughs) Pardon me. So it simply says that the Spirit is going to move upon people as it will. All right, the Bible says... And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. So it came like a wind, it set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Notice what the Bible says The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, <clears throat> what I want to do, and Time will not allow me to read all of the scriptures. Peter stands up and preaches, but uh, verse verse 14, the Bible says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, he lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. In other words, when he says hearken to my words, listen and obey what I'm telling you. For these men are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. This is Joel two twenty-eight. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So what he's saying is that this is the mighty move, the miraculous power of God coming upon mankind to transform him or change him into a new creature. It's called the new birth. Now, Peter preaches on that day, who Jesus Christ was. He says that he is the Messiah that David spoke of. The Messiah that the prophets spoke of. And then the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is spoken of in verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses, wherefore being by the right hand, Received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. Notice the promise of the Holy Ghost. He that has, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom we have crucified, both the Lord and Christ. Now, these people hearing this, they are receiving revelation concerning Jesus because before they considered to be a man that was playing the part of God on the earth. Therefore, he was blaspheming and he needs to be put to death. That's why they cried, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! They sought to stone Him twice during His ministry because He being a man, making Himself God. And Peter said, No, it really wasn't that way. It was not a man that was making Himself God. It was God that was making Himself man. He came to visit us in human flesh, to save us. Because we, as a human race, could not save ourselves. I could not get to heaven any more than I could jump over the moon. Now, verse 37, when Peter concluded his preaching, the Bible says, And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter scratched his head and said, I'm not ready for sure. No, not quite that way, was it? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And notice what the Scripture says. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are for of, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, if the new birth experience is for everyone, then everyone needs to hear. The Holy Spirit needs to talk with everyone because one of these days the rapture is going to take place and everybody needs an opportunity to go up in the rapture to be with God. Praise God. Now, you notice the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. The new birth was being born of water and the spirit. Now, see, Jesus Christ died. Why? Why did he die? He died for my sins. But how, how are my sins taken care of? You see, when he died, he made it possible for me to repent. Jesus said, except you repent, Ye shall all likewise perish. In other words, he made it possible for this old body of sin to be crucified with him. That's why Paul says we are crucified with Christ. In other words, all of my sins, according to Galatians 3, they were nailed to his cross. He took my place on the cross, see? Now Jesus Christ was buried and as a result then I can take the old sinful man that is crucified and I can be buried with him in baptism. This is the reason why that in the scripture you'll find that baptism is both a burial and a birth. An old man is buried and a new man comes up. Jesus Christ was placed in the tomb. So that I can bury my own self. And then when Jesus Christ came out of the tomb, the resurrecting power of God, the Spirit of the Lord, rested upon this lifeless body, and Jesus Christ came out. He arose to newness of life, and the Bible tells us, so shall we also rise to newness of life with him. So Jesus Christ came forth from the tomb so that I am able to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection is one and the same of the new birth, being born of water and of spirit. And then the formula for salvation in the Bible, when they said, in other words, what must I do These men knew, they gave the formula, you must repent, you must be baptized in Jesus' name, and you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and the promise. In other words, if everyone must be born again, the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Of course, the tragedy is that everyone will not accept the gospel. The tragedy is that 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 some will accept it and not live the life. I think you find that in Matthew twenty-five, the parable of five wise and five foolish virgins. My my time is getting away. I just wish I had another five minutes. But 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 you find that that, that some people uh, they they receive the the Holy Spirit, which uh, all. Symbolizes the Holy Spirit, but uh, they don't keep oil in their lamps. So when the bridegroom came, uh, five were ready and five were not. See, that's that's the the tragedy. Uh, <clears throat> some will go up, and others will be left behind. Now, what what if I don't go up? <clears throat> what what is what is What's this big deal about going up to the rapture? What if I just don't go up? Well, I think if you look in Revelation six, and this is <clears throat> the first chapter after the rapture, the rapture takes place in Revelation four. The church is in heaven in Revelation five. And then the setting is back on the planet earth in Revelation six. I'll not read all of these verses, but I'd like to start reading verse twelve. The Bible says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and, lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth and hair, and the moon became as blood. Well, I don't know that I've heard so much prophecy. Uh, You see all of these excerpts from the Bible that deals with this Waco thing? People were reading from the book of Revelation. You'd see in the paper, Time Magazine had, I don't know if you saw this article in Time Magazine. How many of you saw this? And they had all of these scriptures. A lot of them were taken out of context. Well, all of them were, really. because. But but nevertheless, uh, some seemed to fit, you know, at least the the commentator thought they did. And the stars of heaven fell all. Unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Did you know that after the rapture takes place, basically when the church is gone from the planet earth, that just simply means that mankind has said, we don't want God. And they screamed it loud enough that God said, Okay, I'll take the church and take all the Christians, rapture-ready Christians, those that are alive me, I'll take them all out and I'll let you just live on the earth without a God. That's what they said. And we may have someone here sitting under the sound of my voice that is saying, I'd prefer to live without Christianity. Well, this is without Christianity. Okay? This is without God. This is what's going to take place. So stars are going to fall from heaven. The moon will become like blood and the sun like sackcloth. Verse 14, And heaven departed as a scroll... When it is rolled together, every mountain and island were moved out of their places. You think of that. Every mountain and island. Revelation 6 14. You think of Long Island, the mass of people. I've been there several times, I've ministered in New York three or four times. Every island, every mountain. Verse 15, And the kings of the earth and great men and rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said unto the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that setteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Evidently, all of a sudden, man realized, Hey, this... Now, why is it that after the church is gone that all of a sudden the planet Earth? We thought everything was going to be all right without Christianity. America right now, politically speaking, they're crying separation of church and state. Now, we know that that is constitutional, but not to the extent in which it is being interpreted today. And people are saying, oh, all of these Bible-thumping Christians, we don't want Christians to have any... And moral issues are being decided by politicians and not by God-fearing citizens. Verse 17, the Bible says, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Now, you want a world without Christianity there it is That's what it's going to be like Now Jesus talked about his coming Matthew 24 I'd like you to turn there with me if you would And I'd like you to stand we're just gonna I have a transparency I'd like to first read the scripture and then sister Carolyn's gonna put the transparency we don't have this focused in or anything so it may take just a minute Jesus talks about his soon return. Verse 37, he says, But as the day of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now this is talking about the days of Noah. Verse 38, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Verse 39, Matthew 24, and knew not until the flood water came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now verse 40. Two shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour Now, the situation is see, the danger two shall be in the field, the one should be taken, the other left. There are going to be people working on the working place. All of a sudden, one's going to turn around and his friend's gone. Now, the world's never seen anything like this before. But there are a whole lot of things through the course of the history of mankind recorded in the bible that the world never saw only saw one time never repeated again two people will be in the bed the one will be taken the other left two people eating at the table one will be taken the other left the big question is which person do you want to be when the rapture takes place If What I am reading to you in the book of Revelation is the world without the church, and it is. It only stands to reason that it would be worth your time and effort to live every moment in preparation just for this moment. Jesus is coming, soon. If I understand my Bible correctly, all the signs of the times, according to the scripture, have been fulfilled. And Jesus is coming back any day now. I believe it. Oh, what a day that will be. I'm going to give you a chance to come and pray and seek the Lord. If we have anyone here who'd like to rededicate their life to the Lord, who'd like to strengthen themselves in God, or who would like to give their life to the Lord for the first time, as we sing this song, step right out, if you would, and just come and kneel. We have people throughout our auditorium be glad to come and kneel with you. Oh, what a day that will be. Jesus I should.